The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. And Michael Vannin and Suilade to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. And you are listening to What Would Arwen Do on every other Friday morning here on KUCI in Irvine. So please stay tuned for an elvish and hobbitish perspective on life. KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. enchanting music from Howard Shore, the Academy Award winning music from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And that was uh, music from uh, The Meeting of Elrond, and that was the love song of Arwen and Aragorn. If you are just tuning in, this is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on the internet at KUCI.org. And this is the show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle-Earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the celebration of the planet, its creatures, all those things that elves would be concerned about? What would a modern elf do? If Arwen lived today, what would Arwen do? So I often like to ask myself that question. I've been doing my grand experiment now of my life as an elf for almost eight years. It'll be eight years in March. And it has been a grand adventure. All of the things that I have learned from the wisdom of the elves and um, from J.R.R. Tolkien. And I am so excited. This show has been on the air now for, I guess, a little over four years. And uh, this year I have a Hobbit co-host Milo Lomestown. Good morning, Milo. Good morning, Tani. It's a beautiful day in the Shire. It is. It's so funny uh, because um, whenever you say that, I think yes. And I always think of Southern California, the greater area, as uh, the phallus, the coastlands here. But it's so funny because Irvine, to me, especially this little part of Irvine right here at UC Irvine, is very much like the Shire. There's so many trees and little hills. And, uh, you know, here at UC Irvine, we even have Ring Road and we have Middle Earth housing. 
<laughs> yes, there is student housing called Middle Earth, and the various buildings in there and places have Middle Earth names. Absolutely. And so we have a lot of fun sharing the works, uh, sharing perspectives on life um, through the rose-colored glasses, <laughs> very often, of uh, the works of J.R.R. R. Tolkien, of which we are both quite large, quite big fans. Oh, yes. Ardent oh, fans. yes. Ardent fans. Um not necessarily large, just enthusiastic. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so this morning, um, we have so many things to celebrate. It is, um, and so many things to, for an elf and a hobbit to talk about. The um, This coming Sunday, of course, is Valentine's Day, the Day of Love. I love February. I always like to think of February as the month of February. And... It's also the Lunar New Year. Of course, the elves are very excited about anything having to do with the moon and uh, the Chinese New Year. So we'll be talking about that a little bit uh, as we get into the um, program. But uh, this morning, we both, uh, I think, have been having a lot of fun doing our research for the program. Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) There are so many references to love and romance and chivalry of all dimensions in the works of Tolkien and his personal life. Absolutely. And one of the things that I love about um, um, February and Valentine's Day is that I have, as an elf would do, I have made it my own in the sense that we can get all caught up in the hallmark idea of, you know, uh, flowers and um, jewelry and all of those those things. But I actually choose not to do that. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that's fine to show, but I think it's wonderful to show our love all the time for each other. And there are so many different ways to experience love in the world. Um, romantic love, especially that first flush of romantic love when love is new, is but just a small part of, I believe, of all of the many wonderful ways that God and the universe um, streams love into our lives. Um, we have uh, the love of our family, the love and support of our friends, the creatures that we share this planet with, um, our little dogs and cats and horses. This morning, even as I was walking into the station, uh, there was a bird singing, and I was just so thrilled. It's like there was a bird singing to me as I was walking, and I was being loved by the bird. And if we will sometimes just kind of uh, stop and think about it, um, love just streams streams to us constantly all day long. The earth is pouring forth her love all day long through the oxygen we breathe and the sunshine that we enjoy and the rain that waters the earth. And the moon also loves us in the night, right? Absolutely. And we have the opportunity to outflow that love. I feel that if we don't outflow the love that is coming to us, then we act as a bottleneck or a stopping point and difficulties develop. So we have the opportunities to love others, our family, our friends, our spouses, our significant others, and also to love the disadvantaged, charity, the love of people that that just need help, even though you don't know anything about them. Absolutely. And I think that's a very elvish and hobbitish thing, as we see in the story of the Lord of the Rings, especially. Frodo leaves his beloved Shire and goes off on a quest uh, to uh, for the undo of the making of the uh, the undoing of the ring, and uh, and we see I don't know if I brought that where where at the end of the quest where uh, Sam says to him that the uh, if I could only find it that you know that 
about, you know, when uh, Frodo tells him he's going uh, away and um, and Sam says, but this the Shire's been saved. And Frodo says, yes, but not for me. And uh, and so let's see. Oh, yes. Here. <clears throat> um, where he tells him he's going to the Havens. Uh, can I read this little part? Please. Uh, this, oh, I love this. Um, uh, yes, I'm coming, said Frodo. The ring bearers should go together. Where are you going, master? cried Sam, though at last he understood what was happening. To the havens, Sam, said Frodo. And I can't come. No, Sam, not yet anyway. Not further than the havens, though you too were a ring-bearer, if only for a little while. Your time may come. Do not be too sad, Sam. You cannot always be torn in two. You will have to be one and whole for many years. You have so much to enjoy and to be and to do. But said Sam, and tears started in his eyes. I thought you were going to enjoy the Shire, too, for years and years after all that you have done. So I thought, too, once, but I have been too deeply hurt, Sam. I tried to save the Shire, and it has been saved, but not for me. It must often be so, Sam, when things are in danger. Someone has to give them up, lose them, so that others may keep them. And so we see the wonderful story of the fellowship and the friendships that were forged, the um, the uh, reuni- reunion of the elves and dwarves through the friendship of Legoli and Gimli. And so, so much comes, uh, so much love comes very often through service to others. That's true. Of course, Valentine's Day is in many people's minds primarily about the one of the four loves that Lewis identified as Eros, that falling in love and having romantic attachments to others. And certainly that was in Tolkien's life. Absolutely. In fact, um, we're going to get into that in just a few moments here with some um, about talking a little bit about uh, J.R. Tolkien's love, a great love with Edith, uh, and how we see that also in the books with Berin and Luthien and Arwen and Aragorn. And uh, But first, uh, we need to do our um, Hobbit um, movie report. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, and and uh, just some, some things that are going on in the world of... Um, Tolkien culture uh, as it as it uh, permeates the globe. Well, there is so much to report. Uh, the first and most interesting thing to me, quite frankly, is HobbitT.com. Mm. That is that a little group of Mennonite farmers have gotten a license oh. to sell tea branded as Hobbit tea, and there is the Bilbo Baggins. Breakfast blend with black tea, orange peel, red clover blossoms, cinnamon, natural orange extract. Um, first blended by Brandabras Took during one of his adventures far from home. Young Belladonna Took brought the recipe with her under the hill. Her son Bilbo shared the brew with Thorin and company in the morning as they started off for the Lonely Mountain. <laughs> there is also Gandalf's gray tea which is chamomile flowers and red bush tea, also known as ruibis. And the picture on that box is of Gandalf in a cart. With, oh, my with, gosh. Uh, the this is wonderful. It. What is the website again? HobbitTea.com. That's H-O-B-B-I-T-T-E-A.com. Oh. And they have online ordering capabilities uh-huh. and so forth. Uh, there's also the, the mint tea. The low places surrounding bywater supply patches of mint, which are harvested by nearly every hobbit in the Shire. 
well, I don't, I don't want to read anymore. I, I urge that's people wonderful. just for the art that is there to go to hobbittea.com. So that is one piece of news that I think is charming. I have already ordered one box of each kind, so oh. hopefully in a couple of weeks I can yes. bring them in and share them with you and our viewers, what they look like in person and maybe what they taste like. And we get so excited, uh, I do, um, especially just hearing about all of the wonderful ways that the works of J.R. Tolkien have sparked people's creativity um, out of their love for his works and for these characters and for these stories. So many wonderful things uh, in the world that, uh, I mean, this is wonderfully creative and, and uh, delightful. It's just great. But while I was searching for news of the uh, Hobbit movie, I came across a wonderful website called once-upon-a-hobbit.blogspot.com. And one of my fellow Hobbits writes... I shall try to keep you informed as much as I can, but I will do it in Hobbit style, and this means in comfort. Hobbits <laughs> do not like to rush much, especially between first and second breakfast. Once Upon a Hobbit was never meant to be just a blog about one book, one movie, or one Hobbit. It's about a whole world, Middle Earth, and about the life and other work of the man that made this world, and it's about hobbitish things, music, art, fashion, travels, and musings inspired by Tolkien and much more. So that's his introduction, but here's the key thing. The Hobbit. He says, he writes, I know a Hobbit when I meet one. Today I had the great honor to meet Bilbo Baggins from the Shire, also known as Peter Howe. I truly hope words will not fail me. My emotions and adrenaline are still running high after the most amazing afternoon in Middle Earth. I don't think I know enough adjectives in English to describe the Hobbit UK tour. It's a must-see unmissable production for people of all ages. The theater stage is small. As by magic, it became huge. Middle Earth opened its doors and the magic began. Can anyone really give a face and voice to Bilbo Baggins? Can anyone have enough hobbit heart to bring to life the one hobbit to rule them all? Enter Peter Howe, the actor. He was there in Bag End just a few meters away from me. And he goes on to describe the wonderful action, how they've got all the elements of The Hobbit on stage. Oh. So this is a live action, not with puppets as by the Teatro San Fiel, but live action actors doing the entire story of The Hobbit in detail over an afternoon. And the 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 and Hobbit is tour, it's the Hobbit UK tour. The the website is thehobbittour.co.uk because it's only in the United Kingdom. So for our listeners that listen to the podcast in Europe, mm -hmm. as it's available by searching iTunes for the keyword Arwen uh -huh. <laughs> or going to KUCITalk.org and downloading the podcast, uh, for those of you that are listening in Europe, I urge you to go to this website and find out more about the so far only European, really just England and Ireland tour. The Hobbittour.co.uk is the website. How it's wonderful. Amazing. Another Hobbit production. So, um, but you do also have an update on uh, our friends in Teatro San Fio, right? Of, of some oh of their, their upcoming performances. Yes, they're all over the United States <laughs> in this next six months. The most recent things coming up today at 7 p.m. at the Shower Center, and there's more information at theshowercenter.org, and that is in uh, Wisconsin. Then, Saturday next, Saturday, February 20th at 1.30 p.m. at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, 
More information at purdue.edu slash convocations. And then later this month on Saturday, February 27th at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. at the Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville, Arkansas. More information at waltonartscenter.org. So for our friends in the eastern United States, yes. if you have not seen this tremendous production. A, a life-size puppet with production. With tremendous music and tremendous artistry and lighting, they bring it to life. Yes. And it, you get to meet the puppeteers afterwards. Everyone is invited up on stage to get to see these life-size puppets up close and personal. You can, um, Andre Vian is so gracious and so are the cast and allow you to take pictures with the, with the puppets. And it's an all, all family event. So for all ages of people will be delighted. Although originally intended, interestingly enough, like the book, it was intended for adults. Children will certainly enjoy it. I was oh, yes. with a, an audience. Tanya and I were both in the audience here yeah. at UCI recently when we saw the production in person. And wow, everyone had a tremendous time. One other piece of news uh, about uh, things related to filmic action. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have little comments like... Uh, well, we have Hugo Weaving pointing out that there's really only one scene in The Hobbit for Elrond, but he's more than willing, ready, and able to do that <laughs> reading of the star map. But an interesting thing again from the web, Born of Hope is on YouTube.com. Just search for Born of Hope. B-O-R-N? B-O-R-N blank uh-huh. O-F blank H-O-P-E. Born of Hope is a one-hour movie that was made by a young British actress. She took her entire savings of 25,000 pounds and mounted this production. Mm. And I watched it yesterday, Tani, and it's surprisingly excellent. It's really, really good. A production of The Hobbit? It's a production of the story of Arathorn and his wife, the parents of Aragorn. So it's basically a love story. Born of hope. Aragorn was born of hope. Absolutely. That was his uh, name given to him by Elrond Estelle. Yes, yes. So, in any case, this is more about the Lord of the Rings than the Hobbit, but boy, oh boy, it was really good. And you can watch it for free at YouTube.com. Oh, I'll have to get that and uh, take that in, definitely. Well, our uh, time is um, sipping away like the little brook ambling through the shire uh, or perhaps like Anduin rushing rushing down <laughs> rushing through the forest so um, and we have things to share um, and as with uh, Valentine's Day coming up of course we have um, we both wanted to share some things from um, the Lord of the Rings and we wanted to share the a reading from the professor himself which is always a delightful delightful thing Um did you have something from the uh, letters that you wanted to share with regards to Edith and uh, and J.R.R.'s um, love? Yes, Tani. Uh, in a letter dated March 6th, 1941, this is a letter to his son Michael. And Michael had just turned 20. This letter is on the subject of marriage and and relations between the sexes. And... He writes a lot, and this whole letter is is worth reading. This is from the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien, selected and edited by Humphrey Carpenter, with the assistance of Christopher Tolkien. However, this letter was written to uh, Michael Tolkien in 1941. 
And the entire letter is worth reading, but I'll read here from page 52. And this is Tolkien writing to his son. I fell in love with your mother at the approximate age of 18, quite genuinely, genuinely as has been shown, though of course defects of character and temperament have caused me often to fall below the ideal with which I started. Your mother was older than I, and not a Catholic, altogether unfortunate as viewed by a guardian, and it was in a sense very unfortunate, in a very, very bad way for me. These things are absorbing and nervously exhausting. I was a clever boy in the throes of work for a very necessary Oxford scholarship. The combined tensions nearly produced a bad breakdown. I muffed my exams, and though, as years afterwards my headmaster told me, I ought to have got a good scholarship, I only landed by the skin of my teeth an exhibition of sixty pounds at Exeter, just enough with a school-leaving scholarship of the same amount to come up on assisted by my dear old guardian. Of course, there was a credit side not so easily seen by the guardian. I was clever, but not industrious or single-minded, and a large part of my failure was due simply to not working, at least not at classics, not because I was in love, but because I was studying something else, else, gothic and whatnot. Having the romantic upbringing, I made a boy and girl affair serious, and made it the source of effort. Naturally rather a physical coward, I passed from a despised rabbit on a house second team to school colors in two seasons, all that sort of thing. However, a trouble arose, and I had to choose between disobeying and grieving or deceiving a guardian who had been a father to me, more than most real fathers, but without any obligation, and on the other hand, dropping the love affair until I was twenty-one. I don't regret my decision, though it was very hard on my lover, but that was not my fault. She was perfectly free and under no vow to me, and I should have had no just complaint, except according to the unreal romantic code, if she had got married to someone else. For very nearly three years I did not see or write to my lover. It was extremely hard, painful and bitter, especially at first. The effects were not wholly good. I fell back into folly and slackness and misspent a good deal of my first year at college. But I don't think anything else would have justified marriage on the basis of a boy's affair, and probably nothing else would have hardened the will enough to give such an affair permanence. On the night of my twenty-first birthday, I wrote again to your mother, January 3, 1913. On January 8th, I went back to her and became engaged, and informed an astonished family. I picked up my socks and did a spot of work, and then war broke out the next year while I was still had a year to go at college. In those days, Joy's chaps joined up, or were scorned publicly. It was a nasty cleft to be in, especially for a young man with too much imagination and too little physical courage. No degree, no money, with a fiancé. I endured the obloquy and hence became outspoken from relatives, stayed up, and produced a first class in finals in 1950. Then I bolted into the army in July of 1915. I found the situation intolerable and married on March 22, 1916. That found me crossing the channel. I still have the verse I wrote on the occasion for the carnage of the psalm. <laughs> and uh, we know that the uh, great love of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and Edith um, was such an inspiration for much in his writings. Um, I absolutely love the story of their meeting and of their um, 
commitment to that love and to, but also to honor the wishes of um, their loved ones. I just think it it is such a delightful story. And um, thank you very much, Milo, for reading that from the letters. I think that we it's, it's pretty clear that we see in J.R.R. Tolkien's the inspiration of um, Edith uh, uh, in especially the story of Berin and Luthien. In fact, I wanted to read a little bit this morning, uh, just a short passage from, um, this is from J.R. Tolkien, a biography, Humphrey Carpenter, and it's just a little description of Edith. Um, it says here, because um, he, he moves into this, uh, this uh, boarding house, and it says, um, let's see, uh, da, 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 it was a gloomy, creeper-covered house hung with dingy lace curtains. Ronald and Hillary were given a room on the second floor. The other occupants of the house were Mrs. Faulkner's husband, Louis, a wine merchant with a taste for his own wares, their daughter, Helen, Annie the maid, and another lodger, a girl of 19 who lived on the first floor beneath the boy's bedroom and spent most of her time at her sewing machine. Her name with Edith was Edith Bratt. She was remarkably pretty, small and slim, with gray eyes, firm, clear features, and short, dark hair. The boys learned that she, too, was an orphan. But I love this here, that she was remarkably pretty, small and slim, with gray eyes, firm, clear features, and short, dark hair. Now listen to this description of Luthien in the story of Luthien and Beren in The Silmarillion, where Beren spots um, Luthien dancing in the forest of Neldoreth. And it says here, Blue was her raiment as the unclouded heaven, but her eyes were gray as the starlit evening. Her mantle was sewn with golden flowers, but her heart, her hair was dark as the shadows of twilight. As the light upon the trees of leaves, as the voice of clear waters, as the stars above the mists of the world, such was her glory and her loveliness, and in her face was a shining light. But it's interesting that Luthien had also... Um, gray eyes, dark hair, and danced. And there is another reference. I could not find it last night. But this um, passage here, um, there is in one of the letters or one of the biographies a story that uh, at one point um, J.R.R. and Edith um, had gone to this little forest and she danced before him in the forest, and he was delighted. And so I believe that that also was the inspiration for this uh, story of the meeting of Bryn and Luthien in this um, in the starlit forest of Neldoreth. It's too similar to be an accident. <laughs> and so, uh, so wonderful love, and and of course we could go on. So you know, I mean, of course we see in Arwen and Aragorn uh, this um, a story that I have long been enchanted by, because um, Luthien. Um, well, Arwen and Aragorn both are the offspring of uh, Luthien and Bryn. And it's interesting because a lot of times people are more focused on Arwen being an elf as and uh, Aragorn as, you know, when he in the story of, um, you know, in the appendix of The Return of the King where we actually see the, the backstory of Arwen and uh, some of the backstory of Arwen and Aragorn where he um, spies her in the garden walking and uh, calls out to her <clears throat> um, to Nuviel because he thought that he had strayed into a dream and was having a vision of Luthien. Um, however, uh, Luthien was the offspring of an elf and a Maiar 
you know, one of the angelic beings. Right. And through their line came Elrond and Elros. Of course, uh, Arwen being directly the daughter of Elrond, uh, Aragorn being, you know, generations through the line of the Numenorean kings. It's a fascinating construction. It is. It's such a be- and such a beautiful love story. And uh, as we mentioned before, well, you know what? Um, since we are um, have talked a little bit about um, Lord of the Rings productions and things that are so wonderfully creative and delightful, I thought this morning we would play a love song um, from, and this one is Aragorn and Arwen singing. <laughs> wonderful. Delightful. <laughs> and just so we can have a little musical break here uh, before we get back into our subject matter. Uh, and this from a delightful... This is from the soundtrack of Fellowship, the musical parody of The Fellowship of the Ring. I got to actually see this production up in Hollywood. Um, Unfortunately, it was kind of shut down because they had not gotten all the proper um, uh, approvals from the Tolkien estate and all the powers that be to use all of the characters from The Lord of the Rings. But um, they actually have been given permission to do this uh, little wonderful a few times, but uh, for a while it, it, it uh, proliferated, and I was privileged to actually get one of the soundtracks. <clears throat> and it's it's delightful. It's a very um, it's a parody, so it's kind of kind of making fun, but in a very uh, endearing way. And there is a song here, "One Moment with You," a musical parody <laughs> of Arwen and Aragorn, and uh, singing also in Elvish, and uh, so. Let's uh, expand our minds a little bit and uh, enjoy this musical offering from Fellowship, the musical parody of The Fellowship of the Ring, the original cast recording. This is One Moment with You, Aragorn and Arwen, rocking and rolling on KUCI in Irvine. The Tale of Tenuvia. Wait a minute. (laughs) I think it would help if I put the CD in. And this is Aragorn. And Arwen. We can be forever stark tonight. Let's make tomorrow tonight. Oh. And perhaps we may never have imagined that J.R.R. Tolkien would have thought the expression of his uh, Middle Earth could come to a parody of such proportion. In, however, I will remind our listeners, um, because we delight in creativity here at KUCI, that J.R.R. Tolkien himself wrote in a letter when he was talking about uh, writing about Middle Earth when because he had been asked about it, and he was he ends by saying, "I would draw some of the great tales in fullness and leave many only placed in the scheme and sketched. The cycles should be linked to a majestic whole and yet leave scope for other minds and hands wielding paint and music and drama." Absurd, and so we have the Hobbit uh, production by Andre Vien, life-size puppets. We have the musical parody with Aragorn and Arwen singing rock and roll with electric guitars, and we have the Hobbit production over in the UK, and we have the movies. And we have the movies, which are just tremendous uh, 
tremendous achievements. Yes, and many, and, and, and lots of other things. There have been lots of plays and inspirational things. So uh, this morning, as our time is slipping away, we want to have, uh, we want to share a reading from J.R. Tolkien of the tale of Luthien and Beren. And uh, so Milo, my friend, would you read the uh, introduction to that from when uh, the boys and Aragorn are up on Weathertop shivering in the cold and trying to not be thinking about who might be pursuing them. Well, we may think of them as boys, but they were really sort of adult hobbits, yeah, although well, young. But, but I think of just saying the boys, I just point. mean the guys. Just because we the, hobbits the are short doesn't mean right. the guys is the guys. more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> From the Fellowship of the Ring, in The Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, we hear these words from J.R.R. Tolkien as the, as the party was on the top of Weathertop. The cold increased as darkness came on. Peering out from the edge of the dell, they could see nothing but a gray land, now vanishing quickly into shadow. The sky above had cleared again and was slowly filled with twinkling stars. Frodo and his companions huddled around the fire, wrapped in every garment and blanket they possessed. But Strider was content with a single cloak, and sat a little apart, drawing thoughtfully at his pipe. As night fell and the light of the fire began to shine out brightly, he began to tell them tales to keep their minds from fear. He knew many histories and legends of long ago, of elves and men, and the good and evil deeds of the elder days. They wondered how old he was, and where he had learned all his lore. "'Tell us of Gilgalad,' said Mary suddenly, when he paused at the end of a story of the elf kingdoms. "'Do you know any more of that old lay that you spoke of?' "'I do indeed,' answered Strider. "'So also does Frodo, for it concerns us closely.' Mary and Pippin looked at Frodo, who was staring into the fire. "'I know only the little that Gandalf has told me,' said Frodo slowly. "'Gilgalad was the last of the great elf kings of Middle-earth.' Gilgalad is starlight in their tongue. With Elendil, the elf friend, he went to the land of... No, said Strider, interrupting. I do not think that tale should be told now with the servants of the enemy at hand. If we win through to the house of Elrond, you may hear it there, told in full. Then tell us some other tale of the old days, begged Sam. A tale about the elves before the fading time. I would dearly like to hear more about elves. The dark seems to press round so close. I will tell you the tale of Tenuviel, said Strider, in brief, for it is a long tale of which the end is not known, and there are none now except Elrond that remember it aright as it was told of old. It is a fair tale, though it is sad, as are all the tales of Middle-earth, and yet it may lift up your hearts. He was silent for some time, and then he began not to speak, but to chant softly. And to chant softly, and here is the professor. I will tell you the tale of Tinuviel, said Strider, in brief, for it is a long tale of which the end is not known. And there are none now except Elrond that remember it aright as it was told of old. He was silent for some time, and then he began not to speak, but to chant softly. The leaves were long, the grass was green, the hemlock umbels dull and fair, and in the glade a light was seen of stars in shadow shimmering. Tenuviel was dancing there them to music of a pipe unseen. The light of stars was in her hair and in her raiment glimmering. 
Their bedding came from mountains cold and lost he wandered under leaves and where the elven river rolled he walked alone and sorrowing. He peered between the hemlock leaves and saw in wonder flowers of gold upon her mantle and her sleeves and her hair like shadow following. Enchantment healed his weary feet that over hills were doomed to roam and forth he hastened strong and fleet and grasped at moonbeams glistening. Through woven woods in elven home she lightly fled on dancing feet and left him lonely still to roam the silent forest listening. He heard there off the flying sound of feet as light as linden leaves or music welling underground in hidden hollows quavering. Now withered lay the hemlock sheaves and one by one with sighing sound whispering fell the beechen leaves in the wintry woodland wavering. He sought her ever wandering far where leaves of years were thickly strewn by light of moon and ray of star in frosty heavens shivering. Her mantle glinted in the moon as on a hilltop high and far she danced and at her feet was strewn a mist of silver quivering. When winter passed she came again and her song released the sudden spring, like rising lark and falling rain and melting water bubbling. He saw the elven flowers spring about her feet and heal again. He longed by her to dance and sing on the grass and troubling. Again she fled, but swift he came to Nuviel, to Nuviel. He called her by her elvish name, and there she halted, listening. One moment stood she, and a spell his voice laid on her. Beren came and doom fell on Tinuviel that in his arms lay glistening. As Beren looked into her eyes within the shadow of her hair, the trembling starlight of the skies, he saw their mirrored shimmering. Tinuviel the elven fair, immortal maiden, elven wise, about him cast her shadowy hair and arms like silver glimmering. Long was the way that fate them bore o'er stony mountains golden gray, through halls of iron and darkling door and woods of nightshade moralist. The sundering seas between them lay, and yet at last they met once more. And long ago they passed away in the forest singing sorrowless. And that was the professor, <clears throat> J.R.R. Wow. Tolkien. Isn't that fantastic? Unbelievable. The uh, story of, from the story of Bryn and Luthien, and that's from the audio collection of J.R.R. Tolkien. And I love, because it, it is so similar also to the love story, of course, of Aragorn and Arwen, and I wanted to read just a little bit where Aragorn and Arwen meet in the forest, and it's after, it's right after um, Elrond has given Aragorn, told him his true name, and given him the heirlooms of his house. And it says, The next day at the hour of sunset, Aragorn walked alone in the woods, and his heart was high within him, and he sang, for he was full of hope, and the world was fair. And suddenly, even as he sang, he saw a maiden walking on a greensward among the white stems of the birches, and he halted, amazed, thinking that he had strayed into a dream, or else that he had received the gift of the elf minstrels, who can make the things of which they sing appear before the eyes of those that listen. For Aragorn had been singing a part of the Lay of Luthien, which tells of the meeting of Luthien and Beren in the forest of Naldoreth. And behold, there Ber Luthien walked before his eyes in Rivendell, clad in a mantle of silver and blue, fair as the twilight in Elvenholm. Her dark hair strayed in a sudden wind, and her brows were bound with gems like stars. For a moment Aragorn gazed in silence, 
But fearing that she would pass away and never be seen again, he called to her crying, Tenuviel, Tenuviel, even as Berin had done in the elder days long ago. And if you want to read more, wow. you'll have to read the rest of the tale in the appendix. But so wonderful, the similarities of the meeting and the fates of Beren and Luthien, Arwen and Aragorn, the themes of love sown throughout the tales of Middle-earth. And J.R.R. Tolkien and his wife Edith, as there was that three years of separation where Tolkien had to basically prove himself, if you will, to his guardian, Mm -hmm. and then they could marry. And interestingly, too, uh, Edith was older than him. And in the stories of Middle-earth, of course, the, the elf maidens were thousands of years old in comparison to um, the shorter lifespans of the mortals with whom their hearts were entwined. So we only have a few minutes left. and We have been talking about uh, love in all of its wonderful ways. Um, then another thing that we didn't get to get to today, but uh, that is so wonderful um, because we have the love of our communities, uh, the love of our friends and our animals, and the story of Bryn and Luthien. There's a wonderful sub-story there of Huan, the hound of Valinor, who comes to aid Luthien and help her and out of his great love for her and uh, actually speaks with the voice with uh, the voice of you know the voice of men three times was given to him to speak and uh, we see his tale also bound up in the tale of Bryn and Luthien so so many wonderful ways for us to enjoy love this um, February this time of Valentine's Day and the month of love not just romantic love but love in so many different ways that comes to us Right, love of others, love of people you don't know and donating to the Haiti Relief Organizations. Absolutely. Love of those you do know, a call to your father, a call to your mother, a call to an uncle or an aunt, a call to a son or a grandson or granddaughter who may want to just hear your voice. What yeah. a gift of love that is. Absolutely. And uh, I want to say very but we forgot to say hello to our friends who are listening. <laughs> Hello to all of the fans that are listening live on KUCI-FM 88.9 in Irvine, California. Yes, we want to say hello to all the fans of Middle Earth and the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. And uh, I would like to say a special hello to my friends on Tolkien Online, thewondering.com. Uh, as we officially call it, Torque, uh, who may be listening in from all over the world. The Internet is such a wonderful way that we all stay connected. And uh, the wonderful thing about those that really love us and that we really love, the thing that I've discovered that has always been so dear to my heart is that uh, I have very many friends who I can go months and months without seeing and then hear from them suddenly, and it's as though we had been seeing each other all along. So uh, even if you have not been in touch with some of your friends or family or ones that you love, or that love you, um, it's always fine to just pick up the phone or pick up a pen and paper and send a little note or make a little phone call to reconnect. And there's no harm in sending emails. Especially these days you can attach photos of yourself to an email. You can can attach a sound clip. Both Macintosh and Windows platforms have the way to record yourself. Most computers have microphones built in. Right, and you can send electronic valentines. It doesn't cost postage or anything. Right. (laughs) Just to say, I was thinking of you with love in my heart. 
So um, we only have a few minutes, but we wanted to mention also, because this coming Sunday is not only Valentine's Day celebrating uh, love in all of its forms and manifestations, but also it is the Chinese New Year and the Lunar New Year. The Lunar New Year celebrated by my family, Gunghe Fa Choi, is a little bit early, but also celebrated as Tet by our Vietnamese friends, ah. also celebrated by the Koreans in a very, very big way as they observe the Lunar New Year. Right now is a time madly cleaning the house, tremendously trying to get everything in order and clean, because on New Year's Day, you do no cleaning. Oh, really? It's just a day all day long of celebration? It's a day of being with family and celebrations and eating. Ooh, hobbits like that. Oh, my gosh, yes. This <laughs> hobbit loves the Lunar New Year. I've never uh, had a chance. I've never, I don't really know um, anyone uh, well, now, you know, working with uh, acupuncturists, I have had some, um, you know, some exposure to it, but um, I don't really know all that much about uh, the Chinese holidays. So, um, and I'm working that day, but um, but I think it's going to be fun. And of course, as a as an elf, I will be uh, most certainly celebrating the new lunar new year as uh, we move into a new phase of life. And we're moving out of the year of the ox and which, into the year of the tiger. Which is exciting for me as this year has been my year. I was born under the sign of the ox. And Tani has a wonderful book that describes the nature of the Chinese zodiac. Yes. And the nature of the ox, of which I am one, we are exiting that year on Sunday and welcoming the year of the tiger. Uh, the elf princess, as she has found out, was born under the sign of the dragon. Yes. And this is a wonderful book, The Chinese Horoscope's Guide to Relationships, Love and Marriage, Friendship and Business, Theodora Lau. And um, it's, it's wonderful. She actually is the author of the Handbook of Chinese Horoscopes, and um, she lives she lives here in uh, California. Maybe we could have her on sometime. But uh, she has this wonderful this wonderful book and these poems at um, at the beginning of each of these. And I I uh, wanted to read this. So um, oh, we're moving into the sign of the tiger, tiger. which is which is what uh, the sixth. Oh, I can't remember which which um, which one it is. Um, because she has these wonderful poems. Of course, you know, we know that J.R. Tolkien loved, loved poems. Um, the Tiger. Okay. Uh, and so you will be celebrating with food and song, right? With family, yes. And that is a day on which we never work. Uh, since I met my dear loving wife, I have never worked on New Year's Day. It's a lunar New Year, and so it falls on a different day every year, sometimes on a Sunday, sometimes on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Monday or a Friday. And for lo these many years, I have not worked on New Year's Day. Well, this is wonderful. There's This is for, this is to celebrate moving into the year of the tiger. And uh, the tiger, I guess, is uh, yin, the idealist. And this is the third earth, earth branch, the sign of the tiger. And this, um, so here, uh, this wonderful poem, it's called The Idealist Song. Let's I, hear it. Yes. I am a delightful puzzle. All the world is my stage. I set new trails ablaze. I seek the unattainable, try the untried. I dance to life's music with spirited abandon. Come with me on my carousel rides. Bathe in the myriad colors and the flickering lights. 
All hail me, the unparalleled performer. I am Yin, the idealist. So we're moving from a time of, you know, hunkering down and, you know, very, um, you know, the year of the ox was a kind of a year to kind of hunker down. And now we're moving into dance and celebration. Yes, and, and those that believe in the Chinese horoscope expect this year to be a year of prosperity because of that. Absolutely. I most certainly do. Wisdom comes to us from many, many channels as we elves know. So uh, that is just about going to wrap it up for us. We have Love and Romance coming up in just a few moments. With Rose. With Rose. Oh, my gosh. What a great, great program that is. Yes. And Milo, thank you so much for being here this morning. Well, thank and you, Tani. Where did the hour go? It I seems know, like just hard. two minutes ago we sat down to begin talking about love and chivalric romance in the sense of Tolkien, the four loves of Lewis. Yes. Well, it is gone, and we will be back in two weeks here on KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on the Internet at KUCI.org, so our friends can join us again in two weeks for more Hobbit and Elf tales. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to have to go, and let's leave with a little rendering of Into the West from one of my uh, friends, uh Coco B, a fellow yogi teacher, and let us not leave without encouraging our friends to get out, share love in all of its forms, uh, take some time to love the trees and the birds back, to love our friends and our family and our pets. Don't forget the hugs. And complete strangers. You can always share love with a stranger simply by a smile. Hugs and smiles. Hugs and smiles. And so until next week, Alin Salalomin Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting, my friend. And to all of our friends who are listening, until next week, we'll say Namariel. Namariel. <laughs> and this is KCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. KUCI